Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hey guys, Conan O'Brien here to tell you about some of the stranger things we've been doing recently on my podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Recently, we had an episode where I uh, sat down with some of the writers that I worked with on Conan O'Brien Must Go. That's my uh, travel show on Max. And we talked about everything that goes into those shows uh, and a lot of very insane anecdotes from our travels and adventures. There's another episode you might want to check out where I discuss with my physician, Dr. Arroyo, about my experience on Hot Ones. We talk about my near-death experience and his uh, complete inability to help me because he may or may not be a real doctor. That's just some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, and if you feel up to it, check it out. So catch up on all things I've been up to on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, wherever you get your podcasts. Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow. Now is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, totally free wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode of all your favorite rock artists and interviews each and every week. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Fan page on Facebook, eddytrunk.com is the official online home. And don't forget, I am on the radio every single day. Trunk Nation on volume, Sirius XM Channel 106, live daily, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, talking rock with you and bringing you newsmaking rock interviews. The show re airs every night, 10 to midnight Eastern, or it is available anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Audio, video, full shows, interviews, anything you'd like. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you only listen to this podcast and you don't join me on Sirius XM, you're only getting a tiny fraction of the interviews and the rock talk and the interactive calls and all the good stuff that we do each and every day on volume on Sirius XM Channel 106. Don't forget, also have a show on Mondays on Sirius XM Music Show, 5 to 8 Eastern on 39. And I've got a terrestrial syndicated show all sorts of good stuff. However you connect, thank you for doing so. This week on the podcast, we start with Corey Taylor. Corey, of course, the lead singer of Slipknot, who announced a new Knotfest series. Also in this interview, which again, originally aired on the volume show a couple weeks ago on Sirius XM, Corey made some news when he talked about the passing of Joey Jordison, his former Slipknot bandmate for the first time on my show and we even touch on the beef with Machine Gun Kelly briefly. A lot of good stuff in here with Corey. Good friend who I've known for a long time. Wonderful to have him on the show for a few. And also, second interview for you this week is with Troy Sanders, the bassist and lead singer of the band Mastodon. Had a great time with the Mastodon guys on Labor Day weekend when they were a late addition to Rocklahoma, which I host every year. And we had a great time having some beers and hanging out. And he told me about the band's new album, at that time, which has now been announced, a double studio record from Mastodon, Pushing the Tides, the lead single from that record, is out now. So Troy will be the second interview this week, talking Mastodon, giving us an update on that front. We will get started, though, with Corey Taylor, a man that needs no introduction. Slipknot, solo stuff, Stone Sour. Here's Corey talking some Slipknot, making some news in a recent interview that was happening a couple weeks ago 
on Trunk Nation on volume. Enjoy. What's going on, brother? My man, how are you, dude? It's good to hear from you. You too. How you feeling, man? I feel fine, man. But to be honest, I mean, and I'll, I mean, I've been saying this since day one. Thank God for vaccines because yeah. it not only shortened it incredibly, but my recovery was nothing, man. I mean, I was sick days, like the sickest I've ever been in my life. And then by the, by the third night, I felt fine. And honestly, by the fourth day, had I not been testing positive, I would have, I would have gone back to the gym. Like I felt that good. My, and luckily there was no lung issues, uh, which would have screwed me obviously, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing great, man. So to anybody who has any doubts, don't, don't listen to, you know, the menages of the world. The Vax works, okay? It, it works for me. It will work for you. You know, when I heard you were playing, well, I knew you were on Rocklahoma because you guys were on it. Uh, unlike some other things which right. you, Slipknot's getting plugged into, you were on that from the beginning. And when you were, I knew you were playing it, you know, and, and uh, you know, I reached out to you when you were sick. And, of course, you know, your guitar player in, in your solo band, Zach, is one of my best buds. And we were keeping tabs. I was keeping right. tabs on you through him. And we were talking, and and I was like, man, is he going to be okay? Because, well, in Slipknot, you got to wear a mask anyway. <laughs> you, know, you always got to wear a mask. Right. But I'm like, just in terms of the energy of a Slipknot show, wearing the mask, breathing, and all that, how'd you do getting ready for that show? I mean, I, was, I, mean, I basically just kind of went back to my normal workout. You know, I, uh, I, I wonder, you know my cardio is, you know, anywhere from, uphill for at least two miles or running for three miles and then i weight train on top of that so but here's the the reality of it man there's no way to properly like train yourself for a slipknot show like we all were like yeah we're feeling great and then we got through that first show and we were so we were putty we were just broken me and jim both looked at each other and we were like, God, oh, what were we thinking? Oh, my God. Like, we were just so – because it's such a different energy and it's such a different uh, action, I guess, is the only way to put it. I mean, because you get on that stage and you just absolutely lose all abandon. And we just went for it as hard as we could. We came off stage and none of us could move our necks. <laughs> it was just – it was complete bedlam. So it was – it was right. I mean, all you can do is just try to be as healthy as you can and then try to get as many shows under your belt as you can to kind of get back into that mechanism, that, that, that I don't even know, that, 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 that muscle, basically. Yeah, the reason why I thought was thinking about you is not not only because you're a friend and I cared, but also the Slipknot being such a high-energy thing and what right. you have to exert up there. And, and a couple, like a week ago, I was talking to Miles Kennedy and Miles got COVID a while ago and he's just getting ready to go out and do his, a solo show. And he goes, you know, I'm running through singing my set. He goes, and I've been past COVID a long time. He goes, but I'm realizing I'm still having trouble getting my wind from the thing, trying to sing my set. Right. So that, and, and that's yeah. obviously a much different thing than what Slipknot does, but I'm like, Man, and I was just saying, I hope Corey's going to be okay to get through this because, if I'm not mistaken, Rocklahoma was the first one, right? Yeah, it was. It was the first one. It was my first show after COVID. Um, it was our first show back in what over a year and a half. So it, it had been 500 plus days since our show. Um, and I mean, I was you know I was nervous about it. Um, but when we we went into rehearsals and. You know, I mean, my notes were fine. My, my, my breathing was fine. I, you know, my screaming was fine. Everything was working, you know. It was really just, you know, kind of getting over running around the stage that, you know, it, once you find the balance in that, that's when it really kind of comes together. But I was, I was, you know, I was worried, you know, because not only with Miles, but I've talked to Jonathan has had troubles, you know. I mean, it's, it, it seems to affect the, the lungs, the cardiovascular system, and I was really worried that it was going to, you know, have an adverse effect on me. But, I mean, you know, luckily enough, I was shielded from it, man. I, I'm, I don't really notice being out of breath any more than I was before, you know. I mean, I'm, 
I'm doing fine. Yeah, well, judging from the show, and I watched it that night, you certainly seem to be doing fine. I mean, outside of seeing you briefly, I didn't see you afterwards. I don't know if they were taking you out in a stretcher afterwards, but I was like, well, he looked fine <laughs> right. before, and he did great during the whole band did great during the show, so that's a good thing. And uh, you know, if I hear from him again, I know he survived it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you're going to be doing more, not Fest Los Angeles, right? Uh, November 5th just announced. Uh, tell me about this, because I know you're doing one in Iowa, right? Yeah, we're doing one in Iowa, actually, in, what, six days now or something like that. Um, uh, it's our big homecoming. Uh, we put together something really special. Uh, obviously, we, you know, we, we've had some, we've had to replace some bands, but... You know, it's something that we're really looking forward to. You know, we're actually looking at, you know, upgrading the set, uh, doing some special stuff for the fans, um, adding some songs to the set that we haven't been playing, that we haven't played the last three song- shows. Um, just really trying to, to up the game, you know. Like, we've got our legs underneath us now, so it's like we're we're ready to start sprinting. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's cool. You know, it's it's great to be able to come back to the state that, you know, kind of made us and put on something rad for the fans who kind of, you know, they're growing up just like we did, you know, and that that's what's most important. And the fact that, you know, my son's band is on it, Griff's band is on it. And they just released a, a single today, which is really cool. Um, it, it's for me, it, it hits on so many different cylinders that it's like, I'm proud for my band. I'm proud for our brand. I'm, I'm proud for, you know, Griffin, you know, it's, it's really, really cool, man. I'm really, really stoked about it. That band is called Vended, uh, also on the bill, Fever 333, Code Orange, Kill Switch, Bring Me the Horizon. And your wife is, uh, who was out with you for your solo shows is also on this, right? With the Cherry Bombs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alicia is doing a, a, a really rad special set for Not Fest LA. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really cool. Um, she's got, well, I won't give too much away, but she's got some special, special insanity that she's bringing uh, that she hasn't done with any of the shows that she's done before. So it's going to be a, uh, we're going to cook Los Angeles. Let's put it that way. Bank of California Stadium, November 5th. For tickets, you want to go to notfest.com slash festival. Now, on the Iowa show, Corey, I'm seeing a note here that some additional tickets were released. So is that now... Uh, is there now some availability? Cause it was originally sold out. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like it, you know, um, usually, you know how it is, you know, you'll do like 85%, uh, you know, up front. And then once it looks like the demand is still there, you open up the rest of it. And I think that's going to go pretty quick. So, and I mean, can you, can you think of anything better than that for that to be the circumstances coming back? to Iowa, you know, God, we haven't played Iowa in two years, man, you know, so it's, we're, we're pretty stoked on it. And, uh, you know, for that to be the case, especially with us losing, you know, losing bands, having to replace stuff. Like it's, 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 it's pretty rad. Notfest.com again is the place you want to go to keep up with what's going on with Slipknot and shows and festivals and Notfest and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I only got a couple minutes here and I, and I don't want to keep you too long, but a few things I do want to ask you about. This is the first time I've spoken to you since, you know, we lost Joey Jordison. I'm wondering, you know, my yeah. condolences first and foremost to you. And I'm just wondering, you know, how, how you and the band have been dealing with that. It's been, it's been tough, man, you know, and I mean, it, it's, you know, I mean, our first concern was obviously his family, you know, so we reached out immediately to make sure that they were okay, uh, to let them know if they needed anything from us, you know, they could absolutely ask. I mean, it was just, it's a damn tragedy. He was way too young and he was way too talented to lose him like this, you know? And, uh, I know a lot of people wonder about the circumstances that led to him not being in the band anymore. And it's like, we're not going to talk about that because I'd rather talk about his legacy, which is that, you know, he helped create, you know, he helped create this band that we all have fought to keep out there and keep going, you know? And, 
Lakes. Mountain. Corey, did we lose? And, uh, we lost you there for a second. Hey, you're back now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. Sorry. I mean, you know, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. It's just this, this the fact that he's not here now. It's it's still. I I still can't believe it. Yeah. Again, man, my condolences. I mean, I, I, I know it's gotta, it's gotta be tough. And when I think about and having seen, just seen you guys play like a couple of weeks ago, it, it, which, which you said, of course, Joey was such a huge part of the beginnings of the band and, and the music and all of that, but just look, and of course, Jay does a remarkable job now, but when I look at Slipknot, the, the, my takeaway from watching you guys play and looking at the legacy and the arc of the band and the music and the records and the shows is just, it blows my mind. Here we are talking in 2021 about Slipknot, playing, headlining a stadium in Los Angeles in November, making the kind of music you guys play, which is just so amazingly uncompromising. I was telling people, you know, I'm old enough to have played Metallica when Kill 'Em All first came out. It was their only record. And if anyone would have told me that Metallica was going to be one of the biggest bands and embraced on radio and in 2021 still playing stadiums. And I can say the same thing about you guys. And I, I mean this as a genuine compliment. I mean, right. the, however it started, you know, with, with Joey and the original people and, of course, Paul Gray being gone, but the way this thing just keeps moving forward and still it's, it's a machine at this point, it's got to even amaze you that here we are talking about a headlining a headlining stadium dates for Slipknot with with what you guys have done and and the type of music you're making it's amazing yeah i mean it's it's pretty incredible dude i mean we're all we, none of us can figure it out <laughs> you know i mean none of us have cracked the code some of us every once in a while we have like an aha moment like a eureka moment but it's never it's never right. It's never right on the money. Like the only thing that we can really all agree on is that this thing has always just been bigger than one person. It's always been bigger than just the music that we make. I mean, it's such a culture now for this band. Um, it's one of those bands that even though we've had mainstream success, we're still very underground and yet millions of fans all over the world, you know, and, and fans who live and die for this band, you know, like in such a way that they're really the reason that we've had this incredible success. There's a reason that we're going to go into our first stadium on our own. You know, I mean, we were plotting the stadium run with Metallica in, in Australia, you know, a couple of years ago before, obviously before, unfortunately James had to, to pull out, but you know, this is, this is big for us, you know, um, no matter what happens that day. I mean, it's just such a testimony to the fact that, you know, the spirit is still there. The uncompromised art of it all is still there and we haven't changed anything. I mean, our backs have gotten a little more achy, you know, <laughs> but, you know, and it's harder to get up in the morning. But you know, after all that, I mean, we're still us, and we're still doing, we're still doing what we want to do, and people are still digging it. How far along on the next record are you guys? Um, actually, it's pretty much done. I'd say it's probably about eighty percent. We are finishing up some music. Um, I've got a couple more songs to sing. Um, However, I will say this, don't be surprised if uh, in the next month or so you hear something new. Ah, maybe a little uh, well in advance single sort of vibe? Yeah, more of a let's bludgeon everybody and remind them why we're still Slipknot kind of vibe. Yeah, well, when I say Slipknot single, I'm not expecting Top 40 Radio to be jumping. Well, that's true. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I I mean, I I mean it in the sense of a song in advance being released. Right. Well, this is actually, this will be the release before we actually get to the single. This is a little little teaser to give people a a taste, kind of like what we did with All Out Live, but uh, but in the in the way that we didn't put All Out Life on the album, this will actually be on the album, and it's uh, I'm pretty stoked, man. It's uh, it's gonna it's gonna remind people why they love Slipknot. 
Yeah, and let me ask you one other quick thing about CMFT and the solo band. I know I you know I loved the record. I know you loved doing it. That you had a killer band. Um, you know, you went out in the teeth of covid and somehow for the yeah. most part got it got out there and played shows for the most part well well really not unscathed but you did it as safely as you could but where are you at with right. the solo thing i know you're in slipknot mode now but i'm assuming you're going to want to pick that up again at some point and do another record i would oh, think yeah. oh yeah absolutely i mean cmfc is already uh demoed and written um we've uh it's about we've got about 14 songs uh, that I wrote either on my own or there's a couple of songs that me and Tooch wrote together. And uh, it's, it's rad. It's, uh, some of the stuff is, it's got that same rock and roll spirit, uh, but there's definitely a darker tone to it. And uh, I, I think people are really going to dig it. So once we do Slipknot again for a while, um, you know, I'll gather the, gather the heathens and, and go back in and, and, uh, and record that thing. So it's going to be ready to go, uh, as soon as Slipknot kind of, you know, takes a rest again. So it's yeah, just a matter of time. And the last thing is, and I didn't even realize this till I just got on the air. Cause I'm usually not is, is circulating in, in that world so much, but I had no idea that you are having some sort of, as the kids call it, beef, with Machine Gun yeah. Kelly. Well, can you say anything yeah. about that? I mean, I know you addressed it online, but what is the deal there? I, it's I'm, honestly, everything I wanted to say, I said in that post. And, the, and, and if, I, if I give it any more air, it will feel like I'm trying to propagate it. So I, I will just let that and just remind people that we're Slipknot. It's going to happen. Well, somebody that you worked with that uh, was a positive experience is Metallica. We played a little bit of your version of Holier Than Now as we started talking to you. That had to be a blast to do a, a cover of, uh, for something for the Black Album reissue. Yeah, man. I, it, and it was, I was really surprised when they, when they asked me. Um, but I was stoked at the same time, you know. And they, you know, obviously, they, they let me pick the tune that I wanted to do. And, and Holier, Than, Holier Than Now is my favorite song on that album. So I was like, absolutely. And I immediately had ideas on how to do it, what I wanted to do. And it literally took us a day to really get it together. I mean, recorded that in a day and that's including the vocals and everything. I think it took like two days for Jay to mix it. And we were off to the races, you know, and then adding the, the little whiplash thing at the end was, was a not, just a great nod to the fact that, you know, we've been fans since day one, you know, and, and that they're just, a special band. They'll always be, you know, they'll always be one of my favorite bands. Yeah. I always love when, I, I mean, you know, this for as long as we've known each other, one of the things I've always loved is how much you're still a fan at the end of the day. We've had those conversations and I'll tell people oh, like, yeah. as far as the covers you've done in your history, people, if you've never hear, heard Corey sing rainbow in the dark, the Dio tune, which is on the, this is your life Dio charity tribute record. I love that version of that song that you do, man. You did, you did that one justice as well. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. And again, that was, you know, us being asked to be a part of it and me just hitting up a bunch of my friends and going, let's do this, you know? I mean, and it was essentially, you know, done over a weekend, you know, and I, I trust, I, mean, I had no idea if I was going to be able to pull it off, <laughs> to be honest. You know, Ronnie's not an easy dude to sing, uh, but you know, I I did it justice as much as I could, and and I uh, you know, I I know the fans dug it. I hope he somewhere dug it too. Yeah, no, it's killer. That that's one of the better tribute records that's come out in a long time, and it's for a great cause. So I never mind mentioning yeah. it because it's legitimately good, and it's legitimately for a great cause. Well, listen, man, we'll remind everybody again: uh, Not Fest, Los Angeles. Bank of California Stadium, Slipknot, of course, headlining, uh, other acts on the bill, Bring Me the Horizon, Kill Switch, Fever 333, Code Orange, Vended, which is uh, Corey's son is in that band, Cherry Bombs, November 5th is the date, and go to notfest.com for info and tickets, and of course the Iowa show coming up as well, Slipknot with some other dates, maybe some uh, little teasers, some new music, so a lot going on. Hey, um... You know, I, I part-time live right by you now, I'm told, by our mutual yeah. friends. So uh, I'm going to come borrow some sugar one of these days, just so you know. <laughs> well, well, just make sure it's after November 5th, because I'm going to be gone for a while. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, I mean, I'll just, well, I was going to say, maybe I'll take it from your wife, but then again, she'll probably be gone too. Cause she'll be out there doing the, the cherry bomb. So, yeah, but man, yeah, one yeah, of these days, she's going to be in and out. One of these days we got to hang in Vegas. I know, uh, you know, I know you're you're close to where I am actually, but uh, you know, I know you're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. Hopefully, we'll get to to get some guys together and have a hang out there one of these days. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, the invite is totally open. Let's talk. All right, you got it. Uh, my people will call your people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do this the right way. <laughs> then, then let's you and I start a beef. I want to have a beef, so let's do something like that for fun online. <laughs> Fuck that Corey Taylor. He blew me off. I was supposed to meet him at the In-N-Out Burger on, on St. Rose, right. and he fucked me. He wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, and, and I'll just say that I thought you meant the other In-N-Out Burger, but there's only <laughs> one in Las Vegas, so it, 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 we'll, it, we'll just make it a whole thing. <laughs> Hey, man, good talking to you, all right? Uh, be safe. I'll talk to you soon. All right. You too, brother. Take it easy, man. Love that guy. Great dude. Great friend. Great band. Uh, great musician. Love what he did with his recent solo record, CMFT. And, of course, Slipknot activity happening right now. That, of course, Corey Taylor. Uh, first time Corey talked on the record about the passing of Joey Jordison, which was some big news in that interview that you just heard. Be right back with a second interview for you this week on the podcast. It's with Troy Sanders of Mastodon. It's next. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hey guys, Conan O'Brien here to tell you about some of the stranger things we've been doing recently on my podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Recently, we had an episode where I uh, sat down with some of the writers that I worked with on Conan O'Brien Must Go. That's my uh, travel show on Max. And we talked about everything that goes into those shows uh, and a lot of very insane anecdotes from our travels and adventures. There's another episode you might want to check out where I discuss with my physician, Dr. Arroyo, about my experience on Hot Ones. We talk about my near-death experience and his uh, complete inability to help me because he may or may not be a real doctor. That's just some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, and if you feel up to it, check it out. So catch up on all things I've been up to on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, wherever you get your podcasts. Eddie Trunk here with you. Mastodon recently announcing a brand new record, a double studio record. We talked to Troy Sanders about it on Trunk Nation. Here's what he had to say. And it is great to talk some rock for a few minutes here with a guy that I just had a chance to see, along with his band Mastodon who were a late addition to Rocklahoma a couple weeks ago, which I hosted, and then saw these guys do their thing, and then ran into uh, Braun and Troy from Mastodon at the bar at the Hard Rock. We had a good night, had some fun, had a couple of beers, shared some stories, and then they told me they had a new record coming out, and now the record is officially released, and it is coming out in October, and joining us now from Mastodon is bassist and co-lead vocalist Troy Sanders. Good to see you, man. How are you? I'm great, man. It's good to see you twice in a week. <laughs> exactly. My pleasure. Yeah, we say see because we're also doing this on Zoom, so people will be able to watch this on the SiriusXM app in order, in addition to, of course, listening to it. So, you know, I was telling you, man, like you, I was telling the audience, you were a late addition on that festival because obviously things are so crazy out there with touring. Has that popped up and happened to you guys a lot? Were you ready and prepared to jump out and do a show? Yeah, um, we were originally scheduled to play Bonnaroo two days prior to the Rocklahoma, where I saw you a couple weeks ago. Bonnaroo got canceled like the day before because of heavy rains from uh, the Hurricane Ida remnants that was coming through Tennessee. So we were super bummed out when Bonnaroo canceled. Hours later, Rocklahoma called, seeing if we could fill in a slot. So, you know, one door closed, another one opened, and we were, we, it was just logistics. Can we get the crew to, and our gear to Oklahoma in 24 hours? So it was great, man. It was Awesome venue. I've followed Rocklahoma for 15 years. I've seen all the bands that have come through those stages there in prior Oklahoma. It was cool to be there. 
Yeah, and for you guys, I guess it worked out. I mean, it sucked the other one was canceled, but at least you were rehearsed, right? Because you were planning on doing the set there anyway, so you were tuned up because it sounded great. Cool, thanks. Yeah, we were rehearsed. Um, it was just about, you know, getting back on the horse, and uh, and uh, it was just cool to, that we were on the radar because uh, it was Phil Anselmo who I had to cancel last minute because his property was apparently beat up by uh, all the floods. So right. it was sad that he had to cancel, but, you know, an opportunity for us, so... We were rehearsed. It was just a matter of just getting there. And it's low so, pressure too, Eddie, because when you show up, only a handful of people know that you're going to be there. Uh, so maybe <laughs> some core fans are aware of it, but it's a low pressure gig. You know, it's just like, hey, here's our rock and roll party with us. And if you don't like it, that's OK. And if you're brand new to us and you, and you dig it, then, then it's nice to meet you. And we've got a new fan. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, too. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the air with me. I taught because I'm very connected to that festival. I've hosted it every year since it happened. And you, there were a lot of people that did come up to me, not only very excited, your your people that know the band and love the band that you were added, but a lot of people who did see you for the first time at that, which really, if you think about it, is the whole beauty of playing festivals. Sure, you want to be in front of these big crowds, but you're always you always have that opportunity to convert somebody or turn somebody on to what you're doing. It is the beauty of it, man, is um, is uh, you're not just playing to the, the 12 or 100 people that just like you and come out to see you. When you have those opportunities to get in front of fresh faces and be an opener for a, on a bigger tour, et cetera, it just allows you to keep growing and um, and 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 not become just, um, you know, too, too one dimensional as far as your fan base, because we want to have people grow with us. Well, speaking of growth. Hushed and Grim is the new album from Mastodon coming out on October 29th. And it just seems like with each record, man, you guys continue to take these leaps and this growth. Tell me a little bit about making this record, which is about, if my math is right, around three, four years in the making since the previous record, right? It is. Our previous record, Emperor of Sand, came out in 2017. So this new one comes out next month. So that's uh, about four and a half years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Why the delay? Well, we did. Uh, thankfully, we were on our standard cycle of two and a half years of touring. Towards the end of that two and a half years is when everything got wiped down or wiped away and shut down. So um, we were kind of excited because we had a whole bunch of new riffs and ideas that we were excited to uh, to, to get into our band space and, and start exploring. So it didn't bum us out terribly, uh, too terribly once uh COVID wiped away all of our tour plans for 2020 because we were able to get back in the studio and, and, and that's, what's a healthy cycle for us. And it's been very fortunate, you know, like the two, two and a half years on you're on the road playing all your songs. It gets great around the two year mark. You're excited to start diving into some new stuff. You go in there and you, you write for a year, whatever it may be record. And then once all that's done, you're excited to get back out on the road for a couple of years. So it's been a great balance in our past 21 years, but, uh, we started recording this record in October of last year. So we're almost a year from when we started it, but we took our time and we wrapped up around February, um, which was a beautiful thing because we had all year to, to work on it. And even though the rest of the world was having uh, a lot more difficult time than we were personally, we were fortunate enough to have a band rehearsal facility in Atlanta where the four of us were comfortable going and being around each other all the time. So we basically got together roughly every other week for the whole year. And um, it was nice to, to, to witness everyone contributing so much music to this record that when it came time to say, you know, we're like, well, hey, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. We have too much material, which is a great issue to have. Um, that's what ultimately led up to the idea of, of a double album is because we had so much material that we were digging in on and really enjoying. Um, kind of a long-winded answer there, Eddie, but, uh, no, no, but, was... but, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because, and we talked about this when we saw each other a little bit in the, in this world we're in now where everybody tells you like people only want a single or let's do an EP or people don't have attention spans for beyond 30 seconds. Um, I referenced this Iron Maiden's new album is their is their second double studio record of new material in a row. And here you guys are doing a double studio record. So, you know, I think that's one of the great things about the Mastodon fan base. And you can speak to this obviously way more accurately, but they're along for the ride. Like you guys are in, you guys are in a, a unique position. I think that very few bands have where you have a, 
you have a big enough loyal rabid fan base for what you do that you can get, you can say yeah here's a double studio record of all new material and they're going to be all in they're not going to be like oh my god what do i do with this they're going to be all in so that's a that's a really nice position to be in and that's something i think you built through the beginning of the band it seems like doing things on your terms the way the band wants to do it not caving to what's happening out there commercially yeah i agree man and lucky to have uh, three other bandmates that feel the same way it's you know our art like a lot of art stems kind of from a selfish place you know we just want to love it and if we love it we hope that it can can transcend other people and, and over the years it has and our fan base has just continued to grow and our fans are awesome and what we were saying about continuing to get more fans as we go along, it's it's pretty incredible. But uh, we've always taken chances. You know, our first big record was t- 2004, we, Leviathan record. It was, you know, it was based on the story of Moby Dick. And in the world of heavy metal, that could have been a, a shot to the foot, you know, a, a career killer. But uh, that really put us on the map. And then we kind of went from there. But um, I guess growing up the way the four of us in the band did in the seventies and eighties. And, 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 and we still hold the value of, uh, of the art of the album is brutally important to us. And we're not going to cave into like, what you guys just want one or two songs every few months or whatever that mindset could be. I don't think we could really wrap our head around it. So we're just ingrained to write, write a collection of music that hopefully takes us and the listener on a journey from song one, you know, to the, to the last note of the song. That's, I don't think the four of us could really do it any other way. Do you remember, Troy, like for you growing up as a kid, whether it was a concept record or any record in general that really first pulled you in like that, that you just the whole experience of taking off the cellophane, looking at the packaging, flipping through the booklet, going from start to finish, going on that journey from track one to the last track. Do you remember a record or two that had major impact on you like that? Oh, yeah, that that was a big deal, man. Sitting on the floor, every liner note. That's when it became uh, evident to me that that all aspects, you know, you can't write a great record or I couldn't be a part of it if if, if the guys were what I considered a great record. And then we just phone in the artwork or don't worry about the lyrical content or the behind the scenes credit and liner notes like all that makes the great package to me. So that was every album to me um, because I had to work and do all my chores and mow the grass to get my money. And that money was hard earned and I spent it on albums and each and every one, it was, it was a deal. You sit down and you pay attention to that thing. So every album, you know, the first, I don't know, all my first albums affected me that way. What was your first record? What was the first real record you remember getting as a kid? I purchased Minute Work, Business as Usual. Ah, yeah. Huge record. That that would have put me at about 10 years old. They were the biggest band in the world. And, and uh, that was my first album and my first concert. And uh, to this very day, I still keep in touch with Colin Hay, who I've befriended. And it's kind of a Is full circle. Right? Yeah, he's a fantastic human being. And How'd you meet it him? I f- uh, reached out to him a few years ago because I wanted to cover one of his songs. And uh, he was aware of our band, which blew me away. And wound up meeting him, arranged a meeting when he came through Atlanta a few years ago. And we just sat down, swapped ideas. And and he, his one of his quotes to me was, was beautiful when we were talking about potentially collaborating. And he said, if your band has the enthusiasm, then I'm interested in collaborating. He's like, I want to play with people that are enthusiastic. And uh, that was very true, but uh, it just struck me as, wow, he's the, 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 you know, the, the fire in his belly is yet to be extinguished as well. Kind of the way I feel about me and my bandmates. You can see it in his eyes when he plays and you can hear it in his, in his soul. And uh, so it's cool to me to every time we speak to, it's like a very, um, rewarding feeling. Cause it's just like a full circle of, you know, you were my first album, my first concert. Now we're both men and we've befriended one another and have a lot of respect for each other. It's pretty great. And I may have missed it, but did you ever do the recording? We are working on something now. And really? for me personally, when it, when it happens, it's going to be, uh, you know, easily one of, one of the, in my eyes, it's going to be the, one of the best things I could possibly ever do. So would this yeah. be a would this be a Colin Hay with Mastodon or a Colin Hay with Troy Sanders? And would it be an original or a cover? We're kind of hashing through that, man. Um, trying to find the right time because we're busy. He's super busy. And uh, as any collaboration collaboration or super group would go, it's just hard to, to find the time on the calendar. But we've tossed ideas back and forth. Um, he's got some tunes that I've wanted to cover forever that we're starting to demo. Uh, before we get back on the road. So it would be a Mastodon thing if, if I could choose it. 
And uh, my guys are open to all types of music. You know, we're not just pigeonholed as, as a heavy metal band only. We, we have many uh, musical inspirations across the board. Wow, that's awesome, man. That album, <laughs> Business, Business as Usual, was a massive record for people that don't know. I worked in a record store and that record was out. We used to sell it by the box, man. We didn't even, we didn't even have time to price them and put them in the shelves. We just ripped the box open and hand them out like hotcakes. It was a cra there was a few bands around that time. Like Duran Duran was like that, yep. I remember. I mean, there were certain bands like that that were just massive following. So that's that's really interesting. What was your first heavy rock record? Uh, that would have been, um, let's see, uh, heavy rock record. Well, it turned into Billy Idol and then Joan Jett and then my older brother, Kyle Sanders. He was like, here, check all this out. And then I got the onslaught of Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Kiss, and then Metallica. And that's when my world completely changed. I closed the bedroom door, picked up his bass guitar and tried to learn every Metallica song I could. And that was my bass lesson. You know, learn all these Metallica records for the next two years. Um, so. <laughs> Crash and course then, and Cliff then, Burton. <laughs> yeah. And then my, my blinders were on and all I wanted to do was, uh, you know, be in a band, but I couldn't do that until I got my driver's license. So I was, I joined my first band the day I got my driver's license so I could drive to someone's house and jam. So. But it sounds like given your age bracket that it was, you were very much a child of, of MTV when you're referencing men at work and all that stuff. I'm sure MTV had a huge mark on you. Like it did many people. Yeah, I've always I've said many times that I'm a straight up MTV kid. And yeah. uh, it was right when it started, it blew me away and, and millions of others. But I was just, you know, it was by the clock, man. You know, 120 minutes, headbangers ball. Everything was incredible. Mind blowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hushed and Grim, the new double album from Macedon is out on October 29th. One of the other things about this record that we talked about, Troy, is your your late manager, Nick John who was a dear friend of mine. And we were talking about this when we saw each other the other day, uh, how much we miss him. But in a, in a way, this record really, there's a big imprint from him on here as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, I would say it's a huge imprint. And um, it's, um, you know, I'm, I, I think when I go, now that it's it's been recorded, mixed and mastered, and I've been listening to it nonstop for six plus months, you know, in its final form, it's almost, I, I realize that it's almost, um, like, like my, like a diary journal that I've, that I've got to express. And I kind of closed the book now I'm about to reopen it. Um, it's that personal, but it, it's, it's got a, it's got a, a sweet ending um, as far as the creative process goes, but this is all about Nick. There's no way we couldn't write a, an album about him and what we've gone through. And I always called Nick John, my best buddy before I called him our band's manager of, of 15 plus years. Cause our relationship was like that. Um, I hope this, this is, I, I'm, I'm almost positive this will be a beautiful memorial uh, to Nick and for Nick. And a lot of these songs lyrically were penned as a conversation to him. Um, it is all, it is all immersed in, in the spirit of Nick John, this whole record. And um, listening to it, I, I hope people will, will realize that it's not all doom and gloom. There's a lot of emotion in there. There's lots of layers of, of, um, of musicality and songwriting. It's not a, a, a double album of Mastodon barrage, like our early material. If, if, if it was going to be that brutal and heavy, we wouldn't have done a double album because that wouldn't, that just wouldn't be fun to listen to. Um, but this is ultimately set up as a, as a beautiful ornate, you know, musical memorial to and for Nick. And, um, and uh, we went through all the, me personally, I went through every stage of grief during this writing process and um, and the very final one was like this acceptance where where all my anger and hatred and frustration it eventually, thankfully, turned into a, into joy, um, realizing that I'm a much greater person for having him in my life and knowing him and everything that he brought to me and for me and for us is that uh, I was touched by this incredible human being. So I'm so thankful that uh, that the I finally got to a feeling where I actually smiled. Um, after all the anger and the, and the tears and the just, just mad, you know, it's at this, this evil disease that takes some beautiful people. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to you about this today and just be like, Hey, this person just swooped us up, took us under his wings and our band became this wonderful thing that we're still continuing to do. Um, and personally, um, just changed me completely for the better. 
and uh, everything he, he, he brought into my life. Uh, I'm, if I could just share any of that to other people, make them happy, make them listen, put a smile on their face, anything with a positive twist. Uh, that's just like, I feel like that's my life's duty <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, man. For people that don't know, uh, because it's more of an industry thing, but Nick was Mastodon's manager and as Troy just said, friend and a friend of mine as well and a regular listener of this show and just one of the greatest dudes. And we, I talked a lot about him on the air when he passed away. He, he uh, passed away due to pancreatic cancer and you know, fought very bravely but quietly. It was a big shock when it happened to me because we just didn't know what was going on. But he was a wonderful human being and a guy that was a big champion, obviously, as you know, Troy, for your band and would always tell me about it, but in a way that was never pushy or never off-putting or just, you know, you got some people just great on you about stuff, but just just the best guy. So I think it's wonderful that you paid tribute to him when he passed and that this record has such a big um, a big stamp of him on there. Tell me a little bit about Pushing the Tides, the, uh, the lead single and the video for it, which I thought was real interesting. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, um, it felt like a good of the 15 tracks that felt like a good one to put out there first because it's, you know, kind of the old spirit of Mastodon where it's more of a, up, you know, a, a, more of a banger and um, it's short and sweet. And it's nice to, to have a three and a half minute song as, as well as the eight and nine minute epic ventures. But that just felt like a good one to put out first. Um, it's a riff that our guitar player Bill brought into the studio a year and a half ago, banged it out. Um, we just love the energy that it has. It's, it's one of the more, you know, easier to chew Mastodon songs. If you were to, to hear that for the never heard of our band, to be like, oh, OK, I get it. Um, but it's just one piece of the, uh, you know, of the 15 piece puzzle that does make the Hushed and Grim record. Um, lyrically, it's it's, uh, you know, every al- every song on the record has, you know, has an underlying underlying theme to it. Uh, Pushing the Tides is just a. Uh, you know, overcoming. And, um, it's just one step about it. Uh, I live on the beach and, uh, when it gets rough, you know, those tides and the waves, they push me around. And, um, and, uh, if you're weak and you're, and you're, and you're not feeling it or going down a, a, a dark negative hole, those tides can just take you under. And, um, and, uh, you have to know whether to fight or just remove yourself from the situation. Um, so loosely put pushing the tides has a theme of, uh, of just overcoming um, and uh, without getting too deep into to, to that song lyrically or every other one. But um, yeah, man, that's just one of many on the record. And uh, I like Tell it. me about making it's, the video. Uh, the video was cool. We did it in Atlanta a few weeks ago and the past handful of, I couldn't tell you the last time we were in one of our own music videos. It's probably been five years. So this go around, we were like, you know what, let's be in some videos. Um, it's cool to have people making a video for your band when you're on tour and you don't have to meet up and, you know, run through it. And um, right. But this record, uh, the four of us collectively, you know, we're just really connected and on fire and we want to be seen as a band in our videos again. And the song has a good upbeat energy. So we just got doused with water, went into a warehouse and jammed, you know, the the the, the, the treatment of us jamming in a warehouse is no different than thousands of other videos you'll see. But uh, our director, Lorenzo, uh, he went to Italy and, um, and shot this really cool footage through this maze that exists in Sicily. Um, so it kind of looks like a, a, a set or some CGI um, cinematography on this video, but um, it, he, he came to Atlanta and shot us and then went to Sicily and did this other cool stuff. And uh, it's a very entertaining song and, and it's a banger of a tune. I'm happy yeah. with it. Yeah, it's killer. It really is. Uh, the album is out on October 29th, Hushed and Grim. You can pre-order it now. A double studio record coming from Mastodon, uh, Pushing the Tides, the video, and of course the single is out now. Uh, Troy, I don't have a ton of time today, but before we we go, let me ask you this. Live shows, we started off talking about one that you did unexpectedly a couple weeks ago with Rocklahoma. Obviously, we're st- we're in a weird middle phase now bet- where, where where things are with the pandemic. Some people are ready to go. Some people are only going to do scattered stuff. What's the projection for you guys as far as live shows is concerned? What are you thinking? Yeah, um, besides the uh, AfterShock Sacramento Festival in October, uh, we're going to go do the Metallica night at um, at the uh, Daytona Welcome to Rockville in November, and then the day after that, we're going to start a three week U.S. tour. Um, co-headlining, co-headlining with OPEF. Um, you don't get to a lot of cities in three weeks, but we're doing three weeks across the states in November, December, and then we'll pick back up and do more in the spring. We're just taking it in these short spurts. But uh, yeah, it's it's 
that, you know, it's been announced and we're ready to rock. I hope, uh, you know, people want to come see shows. Those that don't feel comfortable now, I totally understand. But uh, yeah, we just announced a, a, a U.S. tour a couple of days ago. I'm thrilled. I just hope that nothing uh, takes us, you know, a few steps back as a whole and uh, things continue to prove. And, and the past few shows, those festivals that we played and saw you at, Eddie, was just it was such a relief to uh, connect with people and and just play the guitar in front of lots of people and have people smiling back and singing back. And uh, it's a damn good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see just even as a fan, it's just great to see that happening again. And it's good to see it happening. You know, I, I come on the air here every day and for over a year, I was talking about things not happening and it's great to be talking about things that are happening and you tour with Opeth and stuff, even if it's in small doses, it seems like everyone's taking smaller chunks than the big commitment to three months or something, two weeks, three weeks, just kind of testing the waters. Don't get too overextended. We don't know what the future holds, but hopefully we continue to make strides. That's where everybody wants to go. Of course. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, man, it's great to visit with you for a few minutes. Maybe we'll do more when the album actually comes out because we're over a month out from it being released, but it is coming out on October 29th, Hushed and Grim. And like I said, the single is out now. Good to talk to you for, for a few, man. And I've had the luxury hearing the full record. I can tell my audience it is killer. Spend some time with it. It really, really seeps in. And it's, a, it's an amazing piece of work. So congrats. Awesome. Thank you, Eddie. I'll be on here anytime, man. Anytime you want. Love it. All right, Great man. show. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thank you, Troy. Th th thank you, Eddie. Well, I've had a chance to hear that entire new Mastodon record. It is killer. Double studio record coming at the end of the month. Thanks to Troy Sanders, the band's bassist and co-lead vocalist, for joining me here on Trunk Nation. And earlier, of course, thanks to Corey Taylor. Hope you enjoyed this double dip interview special. Uh, we like to bring you two in a row, two interviews in one show when we can, and that's what I've done the last couple weeks here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Be sure to connect with me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the website. And of course, be sure to listen every day at Trunk Nation on volume, Sirius XM Channel 106, live 2 to 4 Eastern, nightly re-airs 10 to midnight Eastern, anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app only getting a fraction of what I do if you only listen here on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks to Joel Pollock. I'll see you guys again next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hey guys, Conan O'Brien here to tell you about some of the stranger things we've been doing recently on my podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Recently we had an episode where I uh, sat down with... Some of the writers that I worked with on Conan O'Brien Must Go, that's my uh, travel show on Max, and we talked about everything that goes into those shows uh, and a lot of very insane anecdotes from our travels and adventures. There's another episode you might want to check out where I discuss with my physician, Dr. Arroyo, about my experience on Hot Ones. We talk about my near-death experience and his uh, complete inability to help me because he may or may not be a real doctor. That's just some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, and if you feel up to it, check it out. So catch up on all things I've been up to on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, wherever you get your podcasts.